The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, put away your no-filter camels and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 243, guests Stephen Forte, Tim Huckabee, Peter Kuhn, and Eileen Rumwell. Recorded live Tuesday, May 29th, 2007. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter. And now, bring the ASP.NET Masterclass on-site to your development team. Online at www.franklins.net. And by Telerik, combining the best in Windows Forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. Support is also provided by Data Dynamics, makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows Forms and ASP.NET Web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who says life would be much easier if he had the source code, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. Again, another week. We're at TechEd this week, Richard. Yes, we are, and I like TechEd. What fun. I don't like Orlando as much as I used to, though. You lived in Orlando for a while. Yeah, I lived in Altamont Springs, which is just north. And I went back last time I was there. I looked around the neighborhood, and it's changed. It's gotten older, yuckier. So have you. Yeah. <laughs> just the older part. No, the yuckier too. I definitely have. <laughs> just ask my wife. Oh man. So what else are we going to talk? Man, we we are busy this week at TechEd. Oh, the schedule's loaded up for TechEd. We got sixty-four bit question. We're we're going to like do some panels too, right? We're going to have people talking uh, in the in the main hall there. That's right. Up on uh, the stage. Up on the virtual TechEd stage, and that's going to be going on like the whole time. So. Pretty much, yeah. I've got a lot of different people approach us about panels, and so we're just putting them together and throwing them up there for people to watch. Anybody we can nab for an interview, we'll just put them up there. Hopefully, you know, we won't be um, too loud or something. We'll figure that stuff out. We probably yeah. already have figured it out. What are we talking about? We're there, right? Because it's Tuesday, <laughs> so we're already in the middle of it. You know, we this is the time of the show where we usually read a couple of emails, but... Um, I don't know. I just get this gut feeling that uh, people are a little overdosed on emails. So we're cutting the emails back to one, and which will obviously make them more discriminating and interesting. And in its place, I'm going to do this bit where uh, you take advantage of this opportunity to educate the listeners just a little bit more, like any opportunity we can have. So I used to do this thing very early on in .NET Rocks called the namespace of the week. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool because, you know, if you hadn't heard of this namespace, it, it's kind of, you know, oh, might get your ears perked up and go looking at it. So what I think I'll do is I'm just going to pick a class in the framework and uh, talk about it a little bit. And this might be good a good way just by over time, you know, you'll sort of these things will sink in and you'll realize what's there. So the one I'm going to talk about today is BitConverter, System.BitConverter. Have you heard of this? No, no, I hadn't. What does it do? Well, it converts bits. <laughs> Hence the name. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, set me up. Basically, for that one, the idea is this: you can take any variable and get it, turn it into a byte array, and then there's a a boolean uh, is little endian, which indicates the byte order in which the data is stored. 
in the computer architecture, in this computer architecture, whether it's little or big. So if you're looking at the bits in that byte array, you know, you can tell which end to start at, right? Then uh, you can take that byte array and turn it into back into the bits. So you can to Boolean, to char, to double, to int 16, to int 32, to int 64, to single, to string, to uint 16, which is a unsigned integer, and to uint 32, and to uint 64. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is pretty clever. So what's good about this is if you're doing any kind of, you know, low-level work where you need this kind of access to uh, to the bits, you know, stream streams or sockets or or anything, actually, that requires you to put together these variables from bits or bits from variables. There you go. So check it out, the system bit converter class. All right. Awesome. And now, Richard, we can get on to your email. Of just one email, but I really like this one. I've seen we're getting a lot of traction in the Middle East, it seems. Well, you guys uh, have been tra- traipsing through the Middle East lately, you and Steve yes, and all those guys. Yeah, Steve and I are very prone to doing work in the Middle East. I uh, haven't been to Lebanon, though, and that's where this email comes from. Uh-huh. Uh, Dear Carl and Richard, great show. I hope I'm not going to bore you to death here, but I've just finished two weeks of volunteer work in Beirut, Lebanon, teaching Visual Studio team system and software development best practices to the local development teams. It's a program run by Geek Corps, and that's at www.geekcore.org, funded by the USAID and Microsoft, and I thought that perhaps your listeners might be interested in doing some of this work as well. Hmm. It's great there besides the car bombs, oh. but Geek Core has had a lot of different projects all over the world that need technical experts like I know your listeners are. Yes. And actually, Steve Porter, who works with Joel Semeniak, is off to Beirut very soon to run the same workshop. So the best of luck to him. I am sure he'll love it. I also wanted to say, as part of the workshop, I encourage the participants to get involved with the local development community and listen to things like .NET Rocks, Hansel Minutes, and so on to get a better idea of what is going on in the world of software development. And I am pleased to say you have some new fans in Lebanon. Thanks a lot, Ben Wood, an Australian .NET developer currently working in London, who is just in uh, Beirut. Well, okay, you got it. We'll, uh, he asked for some swag, and you got some swag. And that's what happens when we read your emails on the air, by the way, if they're worth reading. And I think that was cool because we don't always hear from our friends in the Middle East. That's true. And, and Geek Core is something I've known about for some time. And uh, you know, maybe we ought to just do a show around the whole thing. Uh, it's just one of those think Peace Corps, but oriented on geeks. Oh, no kidding. Very much the same concept. Oh, awesome. And I should mention also, uh, just launched in the past couple of weeks, uh, matchit.ca is a similar concept here in Canada, just uh, not quite as dramatic as Geek Core. They're not going into developing nations and so forth, but working inside Canada, matching IT volunteers to uh, charities in Canada. So that's at matchit.ca. Well, Richard, it's time for the announcements. Let's bring up the Code Camp and announcement music here. Woohoo! Why don't you start with the code camps today? Alrighty. Starting June 23rd, the Raleigh Code Camp at shrinkster.com slash P-E-B. And on June 30th in Reading, UK, developer, developer, developer. Guess what? It's a developer conference. <laughs> and you can read about that at shrinkster.com slash P-8-0. And I've got a shiny new code camp. All I've got is a news link so far, no details, but this one's going to be in Adelaide, Australia, called Code Camp SA for South Australia, I guess, and they're going to run it two days, both July 7th and 8th. And if you want to look at the news link, it's at shrinkster.com slash PKH. And our friend Greg Brill at Infusion in New York City is still sucking up .NET Rocks listeners like there's no tomorrow. And uh, a mass migration is taking place to Manhattan. If you're a hotshot.net developer, you want to take a year out of your life and go live rent-free in Manhattan and work in a really exciting environment on .net projects, go to shrinkster.com slash kh6 and read all about it. All right, Richard, let's introduce our panel of guests today. In alphabetical order, Stephen Forte, who's been on the show many times, is the chief technology officer and co-founder of Corazon Incorporated. He's a Microsoft regional director. He's got uh, a lot of street cred uh, and a lot of experience under his belt. 
Tim Huckabee is a .NET and smart client industry pioneer, according to the press. He's also uh, CEO of Internology in Carlsbad, California, also a regional director. Peter Kuhn is an associate professor in the Department of Cell Biology at the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, California. And among other things, he's involved in this uh, project that we're going to be talking about today. And Eileen Rumwell, the previous program manager of the regional director program at Microsoft, then moved to senior audience marketing manager and now senior product manager. This is breaking news. Is that right, Eileen? That's right. I've uh, just, I'm ready to announce today that I'm moving to a new position, and I'm happy to tell you and your uh, listeners about it. Well, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to be moving to a role where I'm focused on community, the community of developers, as I was in the past, but this time I'm a bit more um, uh, focused specifically on the .NET framework with emphasis on services, workflow, and identity, and then I'll also be focused on BizTalk and um, software as a service in general, and I'll be looking for community members who are experts in those areas, and we'll be looking to form a community program around those areas. So I'll be posting on my blog and getting information out that way to uh, find gurus in those areas. So you're working with dev gurus yet again. You got it. Does it feel good to be home? It absolutely does. The love affair <laughs> continues. That's great. Well, we certainly, uh, we certainly miss you around the RD program. Thank you. And uh, hi, guys, Stephen, Tim, Peter. Hey there, Carl. So we're here to talk about how .NET can help cure cancer. Who wants to introduce this uh, project? How about if we start off with the problem? Let's start with the problem, Peter. All right, so this is Peter. Um, so a bit over a year ago, we um, started looking at identifying solutions that could help us connect between the folks that are in the clinic working with the patients, uh, people at research institutes like the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla who are doing cancer research, and um, technologists who are developing new instrumentation like the folks up at the Palo Alto Research Center. And as you can imagine, it's not just three different physical locations, but it's also three different types of vocabularies, three different ways of working, of approaches to work, etc. Everybody's producing data, everybody's interpreting data on their own. And uh, for the most part, we, um, we just shift around emails. And that's, uh, you're all aware, that's a really bad way of communicating uh, overall. So Sort of the said, ultimate integration problem. Exactly. And it was an ultimate integration problem that included uh, a lot of visualization, uh, both in two dimensions and then also in three dimensions. So with that as a sort of backdrop, um, I uh, met Tim Huckabee at Internology, and I said, you know what, Tim, my life is way harder than it should be. And here is what would be really, really cool to have, and that's a communication tool, because we have been using SharePoint, of course, to, um, to exchange files, to, you know, to just manage um, some level of collaboration. Uh, but there were just, just too many things that were still broken, and I said, you know, it would be really, really cool uh, if we could have some sort of front end um, that allows everybody um, to work on the same sort of scientific data, very much like an interactive wiki uh, type approach on both 2D images and uh, 3D structural models. And so, so, Peter, let me jump in here because my recollection of our first meeting is a lot more amusing than what you just described. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> So uh, I get to talking to Peter, and, and you know, at, at, with the gray hair that I have, the only fun I have these days is talking to CIOs, and Peter described the same type of problems I hear from every CIO, duplications of data, multiple application islands, repetition of work. But what's unique with Peter, as opposed to most CIOs, is that he got started dictating to me what the solution, the software solution, should be, including the Microsoft platform, which was a platform that wasn't going to ship for like a year. You know, he was dictating WPF and 3D and SharePoint 2007 and Office 14 and all, all this technology ta stack stuff, some of which wasn't even in beta yet. Wow. I mean, he'd been reading and was dangerous. So I was <laughs> laughing because... 
<laughs> I was laughing because normally I'm the one trying to convince these CIOs about the product roadmap, and here he is dictating to me. And I thought, oh, my God, I found the perfect customer here. This is the perfect client. And then he laid the bomb on me, which was, Peter, oh, by the way, I don't have any money. And <laughs> <laughs> I would like to have a final product in about six weeks from now. <laughs> Because I've been listening, I've been listening and reading about you know how fast you can develop and how quickly you can integrate all that and how you really don't have to have this duplication and how all this is going to be so easy and it's really just around the corner and you know it can all be done really really fast. So I said, okay, good. Put if your money you where your really, mouth really is. Fast, and if you can do it for free, then that would be um, absolutely spectacular in terms of speeding up our research process. So I went. I said, oh darn, and I said, well. Don't give up. We'll, we'll see what we can do. You know, Internology is a small company. We can't, you know, just build software for free. So I went to my good friends in Microsoft, and I said, hey, listen, I've got the perfect reference client. If you'll just let us do a little proof of concept, just give us a little bit of money. And sure enough, um, they got all excited about it. Craig Jarris turned this over to Don Rule, all these Microsoft people, and and Jennifer Ritzinger got involved, and uh, we built, as Peter just mentioned, a proof of concept in about six weeks. The 3D control, which is kind of famous now, that, that Kevin Kennedy built, that, that you spin the molecules in, was built in two weeks. Wow. And we literally went into production in six weeks. And, and this isn't because Kevin Kennedy or the internology folks are inordinately brilliant. I mean, he's a great developer, and he has a little 3D experience. In all honesty, it's because WPF is that good, and SharePoint is that much better. And mind you, this was during beta versions of all of the above. Oh, yeah, yes. so Peter's the only company <laughs> I have ever, ever heard of. Here's another totally amusing thing that I love to, well, we probably shouldn't record, but I love to say it anyway. <laughs> Uh, you know, Microsoft has go-live licenses on beta technologies, right? You've heard about these things. If you right. want to... If you want to put things in production early, like in a beta form, you, you, you get through this huge legal thing, and, and they go basically say, okay, you, you know, we, we're, we're not responsible for you guys cutting your head off, but you can go ahead and go live. Well, Sign the waiver. Windows, Windows Vista wasn't even, was months away from a go-live license. I mean, months. And Peter just slammed it into production. And when the Microsoft folks, who will not be named, bitched about it, he basically said, and I, Peter, I can, can I paraphrase this? He basically said, screw off. I'm trying to get my arms around cancer, and you can't do a damn thing about it. Wow. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> so the only company I've ever heard of to put something in production before a go-live license. So, oh, but the response out of Redmond was pretty cool, too, because they were like, oh, oh, okay. And they let us, they let us just move ahead as fast as well, we Well, I think they looked the other way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, Tim, how... How old was this product when you told us about it and showed it to us at the RD meeting at uh, TechEd Boston, yeah, I think it was? that was the first proof of concept. That, that was literally about uh, a couple days after that six-week run, that first six-week run. Wow. So yeah. WPF to do the visualization, running under Vista, obviously, and and that allows you to have a 3D view of these cancer molecules, right? Yeah, so for the developers out there, NetNet, this is just a WPF application uh, that's consuming SharePoint as its backend. So it's just, all it's doing is calling SharePoint's web services. We got like six of them for free, and we built a, a couple web services for SharePoint on, on the custom stuff. But this, that, that particular application paradigm is, is similar, if not identical, to what a lot of folks are doing out there, just a, you know, a thick client app or smart client consuming web services. Now, there is an application development, I don't know if we could call it a um, pattern, but it is a, a, an interesting paradigm in that there's no data access layer in this thing. You know, we're, we're calling SharePoint directly. SharePoint, right. everything is housed in SharePoint. So this bizarre, you know, mile-long text file that represents a 3D molecule, you know, we're calling a web service, and that's slamming it back to us. We get that into a, a 3D object in, in the WPF primitive, C-sharp, 
could be VB, but it's C sharp. Once we get that object, you know, you you essentially get you know object dot rotate and object dot zoom and all the all this great stuff that had to be hard coded by DirectX programmers and stuff like that. So really, the net net here is .NET has just given us a world of developer productivity beyond what you'd ever dream of doing in DirectX. It's given us the power of DirectX to the .NET developer. Now, Tim, um, Brian Noyes did a DNR TV show with a scaled-down version of this application, the one that doesn't do any communications, to show off some WPF stuff. And by the way, you can watch that video uh, at shrinkster.com slash PG3. And uh, tell us about this sort of open source or free version that, that he talked about. Yeah, okay. So good segue to how this, this project and how this whole thing has morphed through the years. So um, part of our ideas with Microsoft through the beginning was, hey, we need to give or get a reference application or some version of this out to the developer community so they could learn WPF. Um, the trick, of course, was we had the SharePoint backend snapped onto it. So we built a standalone version, and, and Brian asked me, of course, if he could demo it, and of course I said, absolutely. So we have this standalone version that's just the 3D. And, um, you know, I've told you, you know, we went to production in six weeks, and, and we built this thing so quickly. Um, but I gotta warn you, there is some trigonometry and some calculus in there. So if you're, if you get all excited and download this thing, um, you know, you're gonna have to pour through some C sharp to figure it out. It's, it's object oriented programming too. So if you're, you're not savvy in that, it's gonna take a little bit. But anyways, yeah, we dedicated this thing to the community. It really got exciting when we got Eileen Rumwell involved. And Eileen had this awesome idea about engaging the world's community. And uh, I, I think it's prudent just to hear her side of it. So, Eileen, why don't you describe how you got involved in this thing? Absolutely. Um, we really appreciated at Microsoft that Tim brought this project to us, first of all. And I further appreciated that, hey, I stumbled upon it and thought, hey, I could pick this up and we could continue this work. But what I recall is that Tim came to us about this, and I did some brainstorming with Tim, and I also believed Stephen Forte helped me come up with this idea. We Forte, he's on this call. There he is. We um, brainstormed some ideas on how do we engage the community of developers around the world? How do we ensure that not only is this a project that Microsoft's doing with scripts, but how are we letting other developers around the world sort of get involved and feel really great about a software development project? And um, when I went to Tim with the idea sort of half-baked, he said no. He said flat out, we can't do it. He said, we, we're not going to do it, he said. So it took a little time and a little conversation. I had some uh, conversations with some developers who used to work for Internology and now work for Microsoft, and they stepped up and, and spent a little time with Tim to talk him into this project. And his concern, of course, was a reasonable one, and that was, I'm asking him as a Microsoft partner to sign on the dotted line and be responsible for this project. And he said, hmm. you're asking me to bring on developers from the community that I don't even know, and I have to count on them to deliver code. So it seemed reasonable to me that he was a little nervous, but whatever. I needed him to do it. I needed him to step up. And after a little time and thought and conversation about money, he agreed. So, <laughs> And that was at the time when Stephen blogged about it and we announced it on DNR and you found some people, right? Absolutely. We, we took a... Uh, uh, well, we made a call out to the developers of the world, and we said, hey, does software development help change the world? Do you want to be a part of that? And, uh, frankly, the response was overwhelming. Wow. We had far more developers say, I'd like to be involved in this than we could possibly accommodate on the project. So at that point, we put together a bit of a committee of one. Stephen Forte again, and we had Stephen evaluate all these many, many, many qualified applicants to help us decide who we would want to bring on board. And just to, to qualify this, uh, we were paying these developers to help us, so it wasn't a volunteer project. And what I can tell you is those developers we did not select because we had so many great developers available, they said to us, by and large, I'll do it for free. Let me help. And wow. 
if we could have done it, we would have, but it just would have taken the project to another scope and scale, and we, we needed to get it done. Um, but we had so many out there just waiting in the wings saying, hey, I want to help. Sort of restores your faith in developer kind, doesn't it? it you know, I never lost it. <laughs> I never lost it, Carl. Never. Awesome. It absolutely shows you the character of the software development community out there, not just the Microsoft software development community. The Indeed. character of the people in this profession is pretty stellar. We, we did a pretty unique style of hiring these three developers, as we didn't ask for resumes. We posted it on blogs. We announced it on .NET Rocks. And we asked them to write an essay of what they've contributed to the community, what their best contribution is to the community, and potentially a link to their online presence. If there's no online presence, maybe like an application that they've written. You know, preferably an online presence would be a blog or something they've worked on. And we had, what would you say, Elaine, over, we had hundreds of applications that that came in. And I, I, I guess I didn't know what I was getting into. I announced on stage I think Rich, I believe Richard was there. I announced on stage in front of probably a thousand developers in Cairo, Egypt. I said, uh, "This is what we're doing," and I said, "The the application deadline is in about a week." And um, I said, "Why don't you come on in and, and submit the information?" And we announced it at several other events around the world and on the blogs. And it was absolutely fascinating reading all these essays and talking with all the developers. Well, I remember when we showed the early scripts app in Karachi, in Pakistan. Right. That was a year ago. So uh, to kind of rewind the story a little bit is when Tim demonstrated the application to the RDs up in Boston at TechEd 2006, Richard and I were asked to do a keynote in, in Karachi, Pakistan, about two weeks later. And they said, well, we want you to show you all of this new stuff. And Richard and I were like, well, we don't really have any demos with the new stuff. So we said, hey, Tim, can we show you these demos? And we're probably violating whatever thing that Tim made us sign in blood at the time. Because he said, never, ever mention the fact that you demoed this in Karachi. Um, but <laughs> here we are a year later mentioning that we did demo it in Karachi. But Richard and I did a demonstration of the application in front of I always say about 3,000 people, yeah, Richard, yeah, you know, maybe, house. maybe even a little more. And our message was, you know, you can change the world. You can have some bandwidth and, um, you know, use your profession, use your skills to actually work from home and write an application that potentially can really have significant impact. And um, we really had an overwhelming response after we did this keynote. We were mobbed with people interested in the application interested in what they can do, and just excited about the potential, even if they're not going to work on this application, just excited about the potential that we open their eyes to, that you can kind of sit at home in a foreign country, and with, as long as you have some bandwidth and a decent computer, you know, you can have a good profession. So are you ready for the big news? Telerik is taking the wraps off four new product updates. RAD controls for ASP.NET, RAD controls for WinForms, the first official version of the Telerik reporting tool, and a brand new suite codenamed Rad Controls Prometheus. And you guys think I don't sleep. Telerik's tools have always been great, but I think this time they've outdone themselves. Well, here are the details. Prometheus is built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET Ajax, and it'll become the successor of Rad Controls for ASP.NET. Just as ASP.NET Ajax will be the future of ASP.NET, Rad Controls Prometheus represents the future direction of all new Telerik development tools. This new suite of controls will also pave the way for seamless integration with Microsoft Silverlight, formerly WPFE. The WinForm suite aims for the stars with powerful new grid, chart, and tree view controls. For me, it seems like a major player on the WinForms market. Another intriguing addition to Telerik's portfolio this spring is Telerik Reporting, the product introduces a new level of development experience, which Telerik collectively calls easeability, a naturally intuitive mouse-only approach to generating Windows, Web, and PDF reports. And if that's not enough, go to www.telerik.com to check out what's new with Telerik's renowned RAD controls for ASP.NET. So the collaborative molecular modeling environment, which Brian showed, uh, and is available at shrinkster.com PG5. This is a, uh, tell us about what the difference is between this and the original application you wrote for the Scripps Institute. That's, uh, the simple 3D, uh, reference application. It allows you to do a file open on a sample protein database PDB file and spin the molecule and such. 
um, with source code uh, so that uh, you, can, you can see how WPF3D works. You can download both these apps. Um, or we haven't talked to the, about the other one yet, but you can download these apps off our website too. And then I'm actually working with the local Microsoft folks here in SoCal about um, doing uh, a little bigger and better um, um, CodePlex version of this uh, with a little more guidance and such. Um, but back to the, the I, I think it's important to point out on this international thing, in fact, I know there are a couple of you on this recording that want me to publicly admit, being taped, that I was wrong. Everyone hear that? I may have to have my wife listen to this. I was wrong. I was wrong. So to rewind back to the engaging the international dev thing, you got a picture a conference room here at Internology and me describing how we're going to do this. You know, we're going to use international developers from all over the world that that are just going to be given to us. We're not going to interview them such, and, and the, the F-words were flying. Weren't <laughs> <laughs> those F-words forte? Right, forte, tempo, tempo, then, forte, forte. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, Steve Forte, this, Steve Forte, and then it was, who the F is Steve Forte? And then, you know, a lot of the internology guys know him. They're like, you know, that, that R.D. from New York. You know, the loud New York obnoxious guy. The pizza man. So now Steve Forte is legendary within the walls of internology as the best recruiter we have ever engaged. And we, we engaged <laughs> on the first run, uh, Shimon, and, and I want to make sure we publicly acknowledge these folks, but Shimon Kapalzik. Is that how we say his last name? Kapalzik? I believe so. Call him Shimon. And Rania, and Shimon is from Poland, and Rania Gamal was uh, one of the Egyptians that uh, Steve mentioned. And then Aron Gonzalez from from Mexico, and uh, we've actually hired these people. In fact, we hired Shimon as a full time employee. He is so that is brilliant. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, not only was actually I wasn't a little qualification. I wasn't as wrong as Dan Halibuck, the, the PM <laughs> on the project. From <laughs> nice. He was completely wrong that this was going to be a total failure. It was actually wildly successful, and we got more productivity from these three devs than we ever dreamed of. I mean, you, you'd laugh if you saw our um, the Gantt chart with all the, the task listings. We use Scrum, right? So the daily... The daily scrum meeting for these folks, we really had them signed up for nothing. We didn't expect anything from these folks, and they just went above and beyond. And I know, Steve, you may want to jump in here. You're a big fan of of offshoring resources and such and uh, building. And, and, and I'm a big fan of it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, with the tools and plumbing Microsoft gives us, we can build Internet software all over the world. Sure. I mean, I'm actually a big fan, Tim, to kind of take that a step further is just of outsourcing, not necessarily offshoring per se, but meaning is it's very difficult to get the expertise you need in-house, and it can be very expensive. So you can go out and get a contractor. But then by extension, I don't care if that contractor is in Zimbabwe, Egypt, Mexico, or right across the street from me on, you know, in Union Square, New York City. So, you know, by using Scrum and with the bandwidth and the tools that Microsoft provides, you know, building quality software has just become very modularized, um, very temporary in that respect, because you can go in and get an expert on SharePoint for eight weeks and also very cheap. So it's been, um, it's been a great experience over the years. Can I, can I make a quick comment, it's Peter? Um, just from the uh, from the research side, I mean, it was it was really 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 awesome from our perspective to actually watch this process because you know we we are we are in this game because we believe in it, right? We think that you know in the science as well, we made the decision that we really want to address problems like how do we make cancer a managed disease, and you know how do we how do we deal with viral diseases, etc. And it was just absolutely amazing for us to watch how a corporate community uh, like the deaf community uh, just really jumped on this and executed in, 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 a, in a way that was, for us, entirely unexpected. And it just goes to show for the fact that, you know, it's just everybody's own decision, what they want to do with their own lives and what, where they want to contribute. And the end product was just, was just fantastic because, again, the technology guys, they delivered interim, interim versions to us every other week. And, and now, mind you, this was the first time that an application like that was built, and that means that from the first from the first version that we uh, that we took into the lab six weeks after we started the project, 
that is when we also started to really formulating our own thoughts, what all we could do with this, right? I mean, this started off with just saying, okay, can we, can we connect research data between the clinic and the research institute, right? And we are now at a point where we're using the system uh, not just for uh, connecting those two parties together, but we're also using it to um, actually have our entire uh, what we call our SARS proteomics program, which is a structural biology program where we're now making data publicly available through the application. And again, the data just sits in our own SharePoint server. The application is freely downloadable. Um, if you just want to view things, you just, you just sign on anonymously. And if you want to become a user, you just get an account on Active Directory, and then you're in a full-blown, uh, you know, two-way 3D wiki approach. And that's just, it's just been really, really cool. Well, Peter... Peter, let me just uh, articulate that point. You, you're obviously using it. Um, is is this in a state of doneness that uh, that is sub- sufficient to you? And also, let me just ask you to, to to paraphrase this question: How has it impacted the actual search, like the research itself? In other words, has this con- has have you made any breakthroughs that would have been done much slower? Like, have you had any measurable progress? That's what I'm saying. The, uh, I mean, so first, first and foremost, we are now using this actually in 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 many different ways than we initially anticipated. The uh, the the feature list um, is of course still 17 miles long, and I'm always, I mean, Tim is always giving me a hard time on this, but um, it really is it really is amazing how people just like interacting with it because it just feels very natural, and it just gives them a very you know, context-rich approach to, to accessing uh, data. Now, measurable deliverables. Um, that's, that's always that's an, that's an interesting question for us, right, because for us it's an issue of how fast, how fast do we make progress. The issue is just that we can't really compare it to something else because what, we're doing what we're doing for the first time. Um, but I, I think just the plain fact that uh, our clinical pathologist on the program uh, she just came back working with us on the research program. She said, hey, can I use that tool to actually teach my curriculum in pathology in the clinic? Wow. So you already see how this whole thought process of how we act and interact with data is now really just flowing across the entire research field. Peter, how, how wide are we talking about utilization here? Is it all over the world? Where are your researchers? So we are our... Um, uh, our main, the, the Scripps Research Institute, is down is down in La Jolla, about 20 miles south of where uh, Tim's company is at. Uh, Scripps Clinic is across the street from us. The uh, Palo Alto research guys are, of course, up in in the, in the Silicon Valley. Uh, we work with a group up in uh, Bainbridge Island, uh, up in in, in Seattle. Uh, another group um, in uh, Chicago, and then, of course, uh, with our program folks back in Washington, uh, back in Washington D.C., and then have collaborators on the structure-based drug design side over in Europe. Now, what is it about the collaboration side on this that's so compelling? Uh, you know, what are you doing? Which, uh, obviously, SharePoint's giving us essential repository. I'm just trying to figure out what the hard part was in this that really made the difference. It's nice to have a 3D visualization, but I'm sure you had 3D visualization before now. Right. So you have, um, and again, this is this is where I think the, the the pace of development and the pace of getting used to how to use it, the learning curve, all that comes into play now because every individual feature has existed before. So this is not about you know the first three D viewer. No, they have existed before, right? We didn't invent SharePoint either, right? That already existed. We just made use of it. So, but by plumbing by plumbing it together. Um, by plumbing it together uh, on the uh, uh, with the smart with the smart client, what Internology did, now all of a sudden you have it all inside of one application where you don't have to even the annotation has existed before. It's just that you had to do some programming against your 3D uh, molecule to get the annotation there. Whereas in this app uh, on WPF, you just rubber band it and you then right mouse click and you say you know add a note or add a file, add a presentation. You know, so and then immediately, of course, because it, it, it stores the data in SharePoint, everybody else who is on the system has access to it right away as well in the context of the 3D molecule. Right. And that's really new and different. I, I, I remember seeing that demonstration where you clicked on an annotation and then the molecule rotated to exactly the view that the person writing the annotation uh, had when they wrote that annotation. I thought that that to me 
was the hard part. Like that was going to be what you'd have to do by hand in any other scenario. Correct, correct. Because it, it is now, see, we want, to, we want to enable the person who has the idea about where a certain annotation should be on the 3D molecule. It is that person who should be able to make that annotation. If we have this additional step of that person then calling up, you know, the web developer or whoever else and says, hey, I would like to have, you know, this file attached to this point in 3D, you've already lost that whole, that whole you know, immediate feedback um, sort of approach. And this app allows you to do that in real time. Anybody can do it. Anybody so can rubber band something. Two people can be working on the same object at the same time, each writing their own annotations, and they'll see each other's work as it comes along? Well, from our perspective, of course, it's all being handled by the app and by SharePoint. Uh, Tim can probably say more about this. Most most of the app, uh, it's written pretty nicely. So as people are partying on a molecule, things will just magically appear. Now, there are some things that we have some web-based dependencies, some TCPIP dependencies. Like, for instance, in the app, there's a WPF SharePoint discussion reader. And huh. that's that's not going to automatically update unless it gets a little refresh. You right. know, that's a that's a stateless web programming thing. Well, I'm um, thinking about your comment around how you're not doing a data access layer directly; you're doing everything through SharePoint, and SharePoint's managing the database on the back end. Exactly. So the ability to collaborate on these uh, um, annotations. Um, you don't have to write any of the code to protect against that. It's just going to naturally write them out and, and share them. And from the and from the end user perspective, of course, for those who are like, ah, you know, I don't, I don't, this 3D thing is just, you know, too much for me. They of course just use the SharePoint, uh, the team side of SharePoint as their collaborative interface, just like they normally would. So nothing changes at that level. Oh, right. So you don't even have to use the whole collaborative modeling environment to take advantage of the data being accumulated in SharePoint. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, so suffice it to say, Peter lives in a world that isn't a pretty Microsoft world. Right? He, we, he's, just, he's a small island in a, mix, in a mix of the hot lava of Linux and Unix. <laughs> 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 so, Didn't so you tell us that it was a SharePoint world, we were just living in it? That, that I'm, that's, everybody has to be famous for something, and I'm famous for that quote. It's a SharePoint <laughs> you, world. You know, just you do you have any idea how fast Unix apps actually running under SUA on Vista Ultimate? It is fabulous. Interesting. No, I didn't realize that. We've talked a bit about the cancer side of things, but you mentioned it briefly, Peter. There's the whole SARS component to this. It's like you're hitting all the hot-button diseases. Where is there going to be an <laughs> avian flu variation, too? Well, so um, that has to do with uh, the research focus in my lab, in my lab itself, which is really on uh, on cancer and infectious diseases. So, right. yes, it is it is cancer, uh, it is SARS, uh, it is flu, and um, and we're taking we're taking the approach of, of running up against uh, against roadblocks and then trying to blow these roadblocks up with technology solutions and keep moving forward. And uh, the two main aspects are the diagnostics, what we talked about in terms of the cancer program, and then structure-based drug design, which is, of course, a you know highly visual 3D sort of approach. You know, .NET Rocks would not even be possible today if it weren't for the great support of our first sponsor, Data Dynamics. And their product is the one that we really love, Active Reports for .NET. It's easy to use. It's powerful. You just create the reports, you put them right in your assemblies, and you ship them with your code. They have uh, HTML and PDF support. They've got an excellent access upsizing wizard so that you can get your access reports into active reports for .NET. Uh, works with Windows Forms, works with ASP.NET. It's easy, and it just works. And best of all, it won't break the bank. And that's what we love about Data Dynamics. Data Dynamics has got a lot of other great tools, too. And you should check them out. Please check them out at datadynamics.com. So the challenge here is there's only a few people who are really good at this sort of modeling, and they may not be exactly where you need them to be. So bringing tools to them uh, so they can do their work where they are. Right, and this is, uh, and this is, you know, when we when we come up with high resolution structural models of these proteins that we might use as targets to block uh, in in a in a drug discovery program, you know, we are not chemists, so we want our chemists then 
to give them a very sort of rich environment to start looking at the protein structure so that they can make sense out of it. And you just the, the, the whole process is very complicated, it's very long, it involves a lot of different disciplines. And you want to make sure that you, uh, you hand information to the person next to you in a very content and context-rich environment. So it's all, it's all about maintaining that context so that these different skill sets can apply what they know to uh, what's been figured out so far. Correct. You know, we've talked about how awesome this project has been, but we haven't talked about any warts. Were there any hurdles, technological or, I don't know, logistic or, or any, anything that, that was particularly difficult? I would, have, I would have loved to get about 20 of these developers for like a year. Oh, so the only problem was availability. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, Carl and and uh, Richard and Steve and well, everybody. Yeah, as you well know, writing an app in beta software is challenging. Uh, we were getting Vista brand new Vista builds essentially every day. Yeah. Um, and van, brand new builds of WPF every day. Uh, the cool thing was. Um, uh, well, how do we say this without, well, the, the plumbing, the WPF plumbing got in at 3.0 was done really early, months right. before Vista ship. So the platform got really stable. Unfortunately, we had no tool support, meaning Visual Studio, we, we might as well built this thing in Notepad, right? Right. Cause, well, then cause that's normal, right? Yeah, and that's the way Microsoft does it, right? They'll, they'll do the platform plumbing first and then the tools follow. Right. And, and we still, I mean, still, it is what, May? It's almost June. And we still don't have a lot of WPF support in Visual Studio. No, it's yet. going to be the Orcus release. And then that's just, if we, and you're right, if we'd waited for Orcus, none of this would exist yet. <laughs> exactly. Now, the Blend tool does an interestingly well job so far, uh, interestingly good job. But uh, the new builds of Orcus, you can't even stub out an event handler on a button yet. I mean, you have to hand code that stuff. So right. I think uh, WPF's really going to take off when, you know, the, the tools that we have become so spoiled by um, are finally shipped. Yeah. Eileen, is that a fair statement? I, I don't want to disparage the Visual, Visual Studio team, but we really need this stuff. Well, I can't give you details on Visual Studio because it's not my area of the business, but I, I definitely would, um, would say that's a great future topic for the show. Oh, yeah, we're keeping our eyes on Boy, has she gotten political in her own <laughs> <laughs> The old Eileen would have gone, God damn it, I wish we had that tool done. Let me help you facilitate getting the right people on the call. Wow. That. Oh, wow. How's that? Yeah. But you, I, I feel think, like I'm in Redmond now. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> What it looks like to me, I mean, Internology has really given us an opportunity to see what the potential of WPF is. All it can do is get easier from here with better tools. Totally agree with that. Uh, In fact, I have a WPF tech ed session that I'm kind of excited about. It's going to rock. It's all glitter. It's all demo, demo, demo. Easiest session I've ever done. Well, when you're as handsome as you are, Tim, it's got to be all glitter. Otherwise, they're just looking at you, not the screen. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) that's me no substance all prettiness (laughs) you said it dude whereas me i'm i got a lot of substance (laughs) (laughs) uh there's a oh there's an angle on this we haven't talked about that i I really wanted to get to and that was the learning component uh jumping back to you again peter i mean you, you your title is professor so not just doing the research but also teaching others that's correct. We have a graduate program. We have a graduate program down here at Scripps. Um, so there's graduate students in the lab itself. Um, and um, and so, so the teaching component, the training component is important, is important for us. And, and, but we're not only teaching our own uh, students, but what's important in terms of the research that we are doing is, of course, that we disseminate that data and the research results that we're getting out to the community as quickly as possible. Now, in the past, this was just done with, like, static, you know, journal articles kind of thing. Uh, but I'm really hoping that as we're moving forward into the future, what you will really see is more and more of this, of this sort of pioneering approach that, um, that Tim has put forward here with uh, CME so that we can really get this data out there fast for others to use, for others to comment on. And, um, and that is, that is a, a very significant motivation for us. 
I can imagine that students would really take to these new tools because they don't have any you know, background in the old ways. They're all into the new ways. And this is just so very, uh, well, Web 2.0-ish, very modern development stuff. Uh, Richard, I'm wondering how many people will use the tool and say, hey, screw this cancer stuff. I'm going to go develop in .NET. <laughs> oh, become a programmer instead of a cancer You may be researcher. luring people out of the profession. <laughs> I'm hoping it's going to go the other way around. That the developers say, "Oh, wow, this is this is really this is really really cool. I can actually make a difference." So I think that that's yeah. what we have. That's what we have been. That's what we have been seeing. So it'll it'll be it'll be fun to watch how this asset is rolling out now. More and more people are on the on the research side have their Vista boxes at home, so they can just download download the app and are connected to the service right away. Now the Scripps Institute main page is at uh, shrinkster.com slash pg8 but uh, Tim you're saying we can uh, download all these applications from internology which is at shrinkster.com pg7 is that right what what else can yeah, we download you can there download both of the demo apps uh, off our website and the source code for the um, the TSRI demo version of the 3d molecule now we I I should mention quickly that um, uh, the second app we built, uh, so the internology folks were were kind of high on the hog, and we, you know, we build a lot of business software. It's not really that interesting. Building something for Peter was uh, the most rewarding project we've ever done, no doubt, hands down. So, but I said to the boys, so you could prototype this thing in six weeks and get into production. Why don't you look at opening an AutoCAD drawing and spinning that in 3D? And Kevin Kennedy built that prototype over a weekend. Again, not because he's totally brilliant. We had the 3D done already, and all he had to figure out was how to wrap the Autodesk C++ libraries and manage C++ so we could get an interface. Wow. So that kind of exploded, and, and uh, so now we have an AutoCAD viewer. The, interestingly enough, the Autodesk folks were in an audience in Redmond and saw this demoed, and freaked out in a good way. Oh, that's we good. Thought, oh my, <laughs> we thought, oh, my God, they're going to kill us, because they sell, their, they sell or, or, or distribute their own viewer, and they just thought this is the greatest thing in the world. I just talked to them again last week, and they're hosting this on the Autodesk site. So we have a version that opens up AutoCAD, just based on Peter's project, the code base, um, that opens up AutoCAD and drawings and allows you to annotate on those, and I can now see collaboration around, I mean, it's not it's like curing cancer, but just the annotations between an architect and the customer getting their house renovation done, being able to sure. look into the model and make points about where they want things to be different. Well, for us, it's one of those technology power of the platform things. That's, that's how good .NET is, that we can build these things so quickly. Now, back to the human interest side, uh, we are now building a version of this software for an extremely large hospital in the Midwest for their heart surgery center. And they're going to spin, spin the heart in 3D, and they're going to do voice annotation. So picture a heart surgeon. You know how they talk and they capture what they're saying during the surgeries, and there's an enormous amount of documentation that, that uh, goes into doing a heart surgery. In fact, it's like a 1,000 hours of man work, man hours of work for each heart surgery. Well, now wow. all that's going to be annotated. And and we're going to save them literally thousands of hours per month. Is this the only tool that does visualization and annotation at the same time in real time out there for anything? No. Uh, it's the only tool that is reasonably priced. <laughs> okay. Um, there's the, you know, Peter's world is dominated by black box vertical, right. you know, multi-million dollar applications. Uh, I, uh, yeah, um, I'm aware the medical industry is... You know, everything's yeah. expensive. So this this thing, because of the SharePoint backend and the collaboration and the workflow and all that, I mean, you, you picture me putting quotes around, you get a lot for free. Right. So for the Microsoft licensing, you're getting just a ton of functionality. Mm. So this is applicable to a lot of interest, industries because, number one, it's it's dramatically less expensive than some of the verticals out there. And, and number two, it's so easily customizable. And, and it's so applicable, you know, with the SharePoint backend thing. And we don't have to use a SharePoint backend, of course, but, but using it, you get a lot. Well, you've been talking about the different things that you're working on using this engine. 
Um, what what's next in terms of the tool? You know, what what features are you pl- are you planning to add? Uh, where are you going to take this thing? Where do you see it going in five, ten years? Uh, well, Peter, as he mentioned, has a feature list that is a mile long. <laughs> so right. we are, and, and and that's what happens, right? When you're building software, if something's successful, you know, people it generates ideas about how to make it better. No right. piece of software is ever done. That's right? right. You can always make it better. Just abandoned. Right. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I haven't heard. I think that that's before. Richard's line, actually, isn't it? <laughs> I was uh, the French poet Paul Valery, actually. But well, in the context of software, though, yes, yeah, a poem is never finished, only abandoned. I think software applies too. Yeah. So, Peter, why don't you jump in here and, and, as appropriate, tell us how we're trying to get your project funded so we can take it above and beyond what you ever dreamed. So what we what we want to do, and as, as Tim was saying, I mean now there's a whole there's a, a, a fabulous list of ideas around how to um, how to extend how ex- how to how to further extend this on the on the application side itself, um, but then also on the paradigm on the paradigm side um, because again, um, as I said before, you know what we do is for the most oftentimes what we do is the first time that we do this right. And so we have to have something that is, you know, very flexible that can just grow with our research alongside of our research, and that's exactly what we, what we see with this. That's why we just love the flexibility of SharePoint um, for, you know, to really as a database support backend uh, for our collaborative approaches. And and this application now provides um, the 3D, uh, the 3D component uh, to this. So. Um, and, and again, because we are fired up over this, we are now trying to figure out how we can actually uh, raise money to do the next rounds of development um, around around the application to push to push this forward. And again, mind you, this is already at a point where uh, you know another lab who uh, wants to uh, to use this, and we just talked to somebody at the East Coast, um, somebody else who wants to use this. All they need is SharePoint and. You know, download the application. It's fully configurable. You just point it at your own research sites, and and that's and that's pretty much it. So it's very very easy for people to use. So I'm really I'm looking forward over those next six to nine months to really see more and more people picking it up, working with us directly, but then also independent groups starting to pick it up. I guess that's the advantage of putting the source code out there is that all these smart people can get to work on it. Right. Right. Well, guys, we're just about out of time, so. Um... I'll, I know Forte had to bail out early, but if anybody wants to make a last point or a shout-out or anything like that, uh, Eileen, we'll start with you. I definitely want to give a shout-out to all the developers who participated in this project, all those who wanted to help us with this project. It has been a really satisfying project to be part of from the Microsoft perspective. I felt lucky to sort of jump on the bandwagon after the project was already underway, and I continue to hope we can stay involved and look for areas that we can invest in so that it makes sense for us to stay involved. So we're, we're really excited about the project and really excited about all the great work that's been done. Peter, uh, search replace. You know, I mean, uh, same goes. Same goes for us. I mean, for us, it's just been a fantastic ride. Uh, getting Tim and his crew involved, um, getting the support out of Redmond, and getting the exchange going with with Redmond was was just fantastic from our perspective. And then, of course, uh, getting the the worldwide community into this project was just was was brilliant. And the product the product that we got is it's up and running, and we're using it every day. So thanks. Okay, and Huck? Well, you know, this, like I mentioned earlier, this has been great all the way around. Um, I'm fully convinced Peter is going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> and in all honesty, wow. it, it's just been an absolute honor to work with those brilliant folks over at the Scripps Research Institute. Not just my good friend Peter, but uh, he's surrounded by a number of very talented people who are fighting uh, the good fight. And uh, it's just so much more rewarding than building interfaces to ERP systems. I got to tell you. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Not a bad thing to have on your resume. Well, people, it's been a pleasure having you, Peter, Eileen, uh, Tim Huckabee, um, Stephen Forte. Thanks. I know you had to jump out early. And uh, this has been a, a fantastic episode. Uh, what a great story. And, Peter, I hope you do win that Nobel Peace Prize. You deserve it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. 
All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter van.